MP, Christmas is almost here. Brado, doesn't that mean the world's about to end? Oh, don't be silly, Marcus. But what is about to end is the two-for-one tickets to the Wellness Base Camp. Jeepers, Brado. Two-for-one tickets to the Wellness Base Camp close this Friday, December 15. Book your tickets now to go in the draw to win some incredible prizes. That's right, Brado. We have three copies of Joe and Fuad's life-changing food to give away and up for a chat, Kim Morrison is giving one lucky Base Camp attendee the signature 28 diffuser with not one, not two, but three synergy blends, including festive spirit. That is valued at almost 200 bucks. All you need to do is book your tickets to the Wellness Base Camp by Friday, December 15 to go in the draw. Give yourself the best Christmas present ever. And win a prize. Two for one tickets at thewellnessbasecamp.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Well, hello there. It's been a little while since we've chatted, huh? So first of all, I must apologize for the extended hiatus. I was only planning to take about two to three months off from podcasting just for the winter, and it turned into six months. (laughs) In that time, I created and launched a brand new 12-week program called the Adrenal Fatigue Breakthrough. That was pretty awesome. I've also been super busy in clinic, mostly with Skype consultations. But something else happened in the last six months that took up a fair bit of my time and energy. So let me fill you in. Just after I went on my podcasting break, I was offered a golden opportunity with Involvement Volunteers International. You may remember them if you've been following me for a while. They're a non-profit organization that I went to Greece with in February early this year. I worked alongside doctors, nurses, naturopaths and other allied health professionals to bring healthcare and wellness to displaced people living in the refugee camps there, mostly people from Syria and Afghanistan. I enjoyed working with IVI so much that I interviewed Lauren Lacey, the director, for this very podcast. I think it was episode number 37. Go back and check it out. She's a really inspiring lady. So when Lauren asked me if I'd like to help out on a project in Fiji in July, I jumped at the chance. I was offered the role of nutrition coordinator for Fiji, which is really exciting. So I was like, let's do this. In July, I took another volunteer naturopath, the lovely Jess, with me on what was a cross between a volunteer trip and I guess you'd call it a recon mission. We had set jobs to do like health checks on local villages, nutrition education with the teachers and kids at one of the remote island schools, and we also had the task of identifying needs and making connections to pave the way for future trips. So first up, we spent five nights on the remote island of Yanuya. This was a bit of an eye-opener, hey. (laughs) There was no running water. Your shower was a large barrel of water in which, you know, you would just like dunk a little bucket and then just wet yourself. And it was kind of in like a bit of an indoor-outdoor room. So, yeah, you'd pour the water over you and that's your shower for the day. That's okay. The family would refill the barrel from a well on the island. So you'd see people going back and forth with buckets. So once you saw that, you're like, I'm not going to use too much water then. You'd feel a bit bad. There were no fresh veggies growing nearby. The island is pretty much just sand, 
So there's no soil, plus the conditions are harsh. There's not enough water for the well to add, you know, the luxury of watering plants, say. So when we visited, there was also no electricity. (laughs) And that's because the inverter for their large bank of solar panels was on the blink. Um, The school would actually run their generator for two hours a day most days. So that's how we kept our phones going. (laughs) So when we heard the generator running, we would like bolt to the head teacher's office and plug in all our devices. It's like plug in quick, the laptop, the iPhone, the tablet, anything we had. Although going without your laptop or your phone for a few days started to really look like a first world problem. By the way, I'm happy to say that solar inverter has now been fixed and the island school now has power again. Yay! Side note, there's actually amazing phone coverage on those outer islands. So go figure. We happen to be right across from the island where the movie Cast Away with Tom Hanks was filmed and rumour has it the film company paid for the mobile towers to be installed so that the crew had decent mobile phone coverage. So yay, we may not have had a lot of electricity but we still had phones that worked. Now... Island life in Fiji is very different to life here in Australia. For starters, there's not much to do there entertainment-wise. There's no shops, no pub, not much in the way of distractions. But this meant that families sit down together for dinner. People talk. Neighbours visit each other. Friends share food and stories. Kids gather in the few houses that have TVs to watch Fiji and free-to-air. And the grown-ups gather and they drink kava, like a lot. (laughs) There's also not a lot of privacy. The houses are quite open, the walls are thin, some of the bedrooms don't have doors, just curtains sectioning them off. It's an odd feeling at first, not having as much privacy. But you know what? You also never feel isolated and you never feel alone. Human connection is so much easier when there's less physical walls between us. So while we were there, we did health checks on the teachers at the island school. Every teacher except for one was overweight. The head teacher, Master Matai, he makes sure that his teachers get lots of physical activity. We even participated in a very spirited game of netball while we were there, which was so much fun. But the exercise simply doesn't undo all the problems that have been created by food. So for starters, most Fijian people eat really big servings of food. You should have seen the helpings that were getting piled on our plates at every meal. We were like, I can't eat all of this. I I eat pretty well too. Like I definitely enjoy my food. Um, And I reckon our hosts thought that I ate like a sparrow in comparison to some of them. Now, out of those big helpings, the other problem is, is that a lot of the plate is carbohydrates. Starchy root crops like taro and cassava are what were traditionally eaten in Fiji. However, the main staples are now often white rice and, wait for it, two-minute noodles. And because diabetes is rife, with up to one in three people affected over there, one in three, Word on the street is that the government advised people to cut down on the root crops because of the starchy carbs. However, I don't know if enough education was done around what is a suitable replacement for said root crops. So I saw cases where people had replaced cassava in their meals with two-minute noodles and they actually believed they'd made a healthier choice. There's also a fair bit of sugar going down in Fiji. This means we still have a lot of work to do when it comes to education and helping with diabetes prevention. There's also a massive challenge with getting fresh veggies on the island. I mentioned before, like they just don't grow there because of this. There's no soil really. It's all sand and there's not so much water. It's expensive to bring the veggies in from off the island. 
and because none of the homes have fridges, things go off really easily. Greens are a massive luxury. The most common veggies on high rotation would have been cassava, potatoes, and carrots, maybe some pumpkin. We ate a lot of slow-cooked casseroles and curries. They were actually really tasty. Oh, my goodness. Like the people over there, they're so good with spices. Uh, But even meat is a really big deal, like fresh meat. Sometimes you get some fresh chicken, but often the meat comes out of a tin and you know those tinned meats are full of sugar and salt, right? So yeah, lots of challenges. In summary, they're often eating a high salt, high starch diet with probably not enough protein. Q, weight gain, type 2 diabetes and heart disease. But each time we go, we are researching other ways to improve the diet of the islanders. And we're teaching about the connection between a high carb, high processed food diet and health problems. We're encouraging them to eat smaller portion sizes and where possible to bump up the protein if they can. Hey, at least one of the benefits of not having fridges on the island is that they're not drowning in margarine like they are on the mainland. Seriously, I've never seen so much meadowly as in the supermarket fridges on the mainland in Fiji. It's kind of crazy, but I digress. All right, so I believe the key to getting change to happen in Fiji is education when we're talking about nutrition. The kids are actually falling behind with their schooling on the island. English isn't their first language and so their reading isn't up to the same standard as some of the other schools in the country. How are they supposed to understand nutrition and read food panels and stuff if they're not up to speed with reading in general? Remember, these guys are isolated so there are a lot of extra challenges. Some of our volunteering days over there were taken up with just reading to the kids and listening to them read in return so we got a good insight into where they're at. They definitely need more preparation in their primary school years because when they get to high school, they're actually shipped off to the boarding schools on the mainland where many of them promptly find themselves behind in terms of like the class itself. So how can health education improve if general education is suffering? So we had a chat with the head teacher, Master Matai, to ask what we could do to help. He told us that he'd like the kids to have access to computer equipment and online classwork. The more computer skills they have, the better their reading in English will get and the more prepared they will be for high school. The hilarious thing is he told us they were building a computer lab, but they didn't actually have any computers to put in it yet. (laughs) Typical Fijian optimism. Yeah, yeah, we're getting a computer lab. Now we just have to work on actually getting the devices. So here's what we're doing. Jess and I have decided to run a crowdfunding campaign to raise enough money to buy 15 iPad-style tablets for the kids. And not only that, we found an awesome resource called a Rachel Offline that we also want to purchase. Rachel stands for Remote Area Community Hotspot for Education and Learning. It's a little electronic hub that comes loaded with resources, including school lessons, mathematics, science modules, health modules, Wikipedia, a medical dictionary, lessons on healthy food and farming, hygiene and sanitation, disease prevention, and so much more. So the kids log on to the Rachel instead of the internet, which is actually kind of good because that protects them from, you know, seeing things on the internet they probably shouldn't. And from there, they can access all the resources. It teaches them valuable educational lessons and computer skills all at the same time. It's win-win. 
So this simple act of generosity of buying 15 tablets for the kids could make such a huge impact in the lives of a whole community. So if you'd like to help, we've set up the crowdfunding page and there's a link in the show notes of this episode. There's also an easy to find link on my website at julesgalloway.com. But that's not all, (laughs) not by a long shot. So the Fiji adventure continues. After arriving back on the Fiji mainland, Jess and I also spent some time at Heart Community. Heart stands for Housing and Relief Trust. Their mission is to provide housing for those most in need and to give hope, restore dignity and empower people to live better lives. Many of the residents at Heart are women and children. Some of them are there because their other family members passed away. Some are disabled and unable to earn an income. Many have stories of fleeing domestic violence. In fact, in a couple of conversations I had with residents, domestic violence was referred to in such a flippant manner that I wondered exactly how common it is in some communities over there. We set Jess up to do the health checks at heart. In fact, she wrote an amazing blog post about her experience there. I'll pop a link in the show notes. If you've got five minutes, I highly recommend you read it. It's a truly inspiring read. In the next trip I made to Fiji, I actually took a dietitian and a cardiac nurse with me, which was a super handy combination, as you can imagine. So yeah, we're going to keep working at heart. Look, the work there was pretty heavy going. People without limbs, trying to get around without wheelchairs, a man with blood sugar completely off the scale. We paid for an ambulance to transfer him to hospital. Um, A woman who'd had a stroke seven months prior just came across, but uh, this person had not been to hospital to get medical attention. She was also taken in an ambulance. Um, And I'm happy to say that on a follow-up visit, she's actually doing really well now. Um, Another woman was in so much grief and distress after losing all her family members that yeah, she was just inconsolable. Um, we saw cases of malnutrition. We saw the worst case of scabies that I've ever seen. Um, countless leg ulcers from diabetes. Yep, we saw some pretty heavy things. It became pretty apparent that the nutrition education had to take a back seat as people's basic needs were just not yet being met. So we patched up people as best as we could thanked the deity of our choice that we had first aid training and we spoke to people about making sure that they took their prescribed medication because there's a real culture of people not taking their meds over there Um, and that was what was leading to a lot of the health problems that we saw. Like the guy with the really high blood sugar, he just hadn't taken his diabetes medication for two weeks. So we did our very best but it really felt like a drop in the ocean sometimes. Yeah, so look, in the next trip that uh, we're planning to do in January, we're hoping to continue our work at Heart. Heart is also receiving a little bit of social uh, media attention right now as a couple of ex-finalists from the Australian Survivor Series, uh, Elle Rowland and Lee Castledean, they're involved with a project over there too. So it's great to see Heart getting more support. There are so many beautiful people there that could really use our help and yeah, I'm looking forward to going back there again in January. Now, in that second trip I did to Fiji, uh, myself, Nurse Mel and Dietitian Carly, we also went to a five-star luxury island resort to do a day's worth of health checks. So at these places, when they're on the remote islands, most of the resort staff actually live on site. Uh, In this resort, there was about 120 of them, and they live out the back in really simple, basic kind of dorm-style accommodation away from the resort guests. We spent one very long day doing health checks on 80 people. 
blood pressure, blood glucose, height, weight, BMI, waist and hip measurements. It was nuts. We had like a production line going all day. Now, the results were really interesting. Here's what we found. 88% of the people checked were either overweight or obese. 20% had either prediabetes or diabetes, although only 2% of them told us that they knew they had diabetes, which was a bit of a worry. We saw one blood pressure of 220 over 120 and several over 150, which is still very, very high. Look, in Australia, if a client had a BP of 220, I'd call an ambulance like immediately. So yeah, that was pretty shocking. As you can imagine, we were quite surprised by these findings. So we decided to do some detective work. I went down to the mess hall where all the staff meals are served to find out why they're overweight. So I spoke to the cook. It turns out, get this, they're serving them cake for breakfast. Cake for breakfast. And not just little pieces of cake. No, no, no. You've got to think with your Fiji brain. Big lamington-sized portions with really thick sweet custard on top. The average portion size for breakfast was three pieces of this cake per person. Okay. So then I asked what else was being served for breakfast because I'm like, well, that's all right. We can just tell them to choose the healthier option, right? So I was like, okay, what's the healthier option? You know, so they can have cake or it turns out there were no other protein rich options. There was a little bit of fresh fruit provided, but nothing else, no porridge, no eggs, nothing. So I did what I do best. (laughs) I wrote an email. (laughs) So I sent an email off to HR of this particular company. It turns out they had no idea that this was being served up to the staff. So I gave them some healthy alternatives as options. Like I said, I was like, okay, well, maybe we could make some porridge. Maybe we should, we could give them some eggs on some whole grain toast, etc. And I've been told that these changes have been well received and that they will be implemented. So yeah, it might take a little bit of time, but it's going to happen. I can't wait to go back and do some more work there next time. I'm hoping to visit there in January as well. We're looking at putting together exercise programs for these staff as well and hopefully run an educational night. Um, I'm hoping to get them that sugar film uh, and get them to watch that on the next visit. So I think that might be quite an eye-opener for them. Now, the best part... We've been speaking to the company about, you know, bringing these health check programs to some of their other resorts as well. It turns out that this particular company has five or six similar resorts just in Fiji. So if we can make it work at one, we can spin it off to all the other resorts as well. Just think about so many people at so many resorts that we can help. And then once we help them to lose weight and and once we help them to understand what to eat and what not to eat, then hopefully they can take some of that information back to their friends and family when they go back to their villages as well. So it looks like next year there will be four more trips. So if you're interested in coming to Fiji with me and you happen to have either a medical, a nutrition or an allied health qualification, get in touch with me at hello at julesgalloway.com. So now you're up to speed on where I've been and what I've been up to. So yeah, forgive me if I went AWOL for a little longer than planned. Life threw me this amazing curveball and, you know, I've always wanted to help others. So I decided to give it my best shot. Now, just a little announcement. You know, I'm all about the self-care, right? 
So I don't want to burn out. And because I've got some other projects planned for 2018 as well, I've decided to make this a fortnightly podcast instead of weekly, just to give me some breathing room. Because if I'm teaching you all about self-care, saying no to things and managing your energy levels, I have to do it too. It's time to lead from the front. Oh, and my plans for 2018? Well, I can't say too much just yet, but they may or may not include a new mini detox healthy eating program in the first half of 2012. So keep an eye out sort of mid-January for more information about that one. Also, live events, Melbourne and Brisbane, keep an eye out. You will be first up. There will be more info coming your way very soon about these as well. My Adrenal Fatigue Breakthrough Program is taking up to six new women every month. That's it, no more than six. So if you're interested in that, there's a link in the show notes and you can book an Adrenal Fatigue Planning Session with me. It's free and we can chat about whether you're a good fit for this program. And of course, I'm still seeing patients one-on-one either in person in Bangalore, which is near Byron Bay, or via phone or Skype. So here's to a jam-packed yet self-care-filled 2018 that's full of wonderful ways to heal your body and regain your energy. Now, once again, if you're feeling kind of festive and generous, my crowdfunding page for the kids in Fiji to get those tablets to them is up and running right now. It closes soon, so go over to my website at julesgalloway.com and follow the links or just have a look in the show notes here. Okay, thank you so much for listening. It's great to be back in your ears, in the car, while you catch the train or the bus, on your treadmill, in the bath, or wherever it is that you listen to Shiny Healthy You. Till next fortnight, stay shiny and bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.